Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falkenstein from Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Farat Nehru. Hello, hello. And we have a writer, journalist, and photographer and filmmaker with us from the City Film Festival, Addy Fong. Addy, thank you so much for joining us. Yo, yo, yo. So, yeah, it's been, when, day six, we're almost halfway through the festival. Yes, and the reason we are hushing is because we are at the State Theatre. We are at the hub of the Sydney Film Festival, as in the Vice Centre. This is prime location, guys. It's like the dungeon for filmmakers. It's amazing. It's essentially the bodies of everyone just around here somewhere, but this is quite incredible. So there's a film playing right now. We're waiting the premiere, world premiere of Madame with Tony Collette and Harvey Keitel and Madda Sithers, the director, is in town. And we have seen, wow, we have seen a lot of films already. Yes, I mean, it's amazing the kind of films that have... And the standout ones haven't been the expected ones. For example, Brixby Bear. That was a film that I was expecting to be quite stupid, but it really surprised me. And it's an endearing film, and I can't get the theme song out of my head. It's Brixby Bear. Now, this film was incredible. There's the Saturday Night Live crew. There's Lonely Island. Andy Samberg, who produced it and was involved, even has a role in the film. And this is a film that, for any filmmaker, it's cathartic. It talks to how much we love cinema, how important not just engaging and watching cinema, but the creative processes to each of us. And, wow, I was absolutely blown away. And best of all, it had Mark Hamill in a small yet absolutely hilarious role. And he gets to do a lot of voices. If you love Mark Hamill doing voices, you would love this film. And it was fantastic. Oh, it was it was just great. I mean, it was a bit where, you know, he's had this new career where doing the joke and all this. And if you're a fan of that, then you will, oh, you'll, you'll absolutely love it. And Addy, you've seen quite a few films too. Do you have a favourite that you've seen so far? I didn't end up seeing Briggsby Bear, but I end up seeing The Untamed, which was an unexpected favourite of mine. It's a bit... Um, provocative very sexual but i was like whoa what's the untamed about well the premise of it is basically it's a mexican spanish mexican film uh there's a sexual monster it's an alien life form and it's one of the weirdest films that i've seen that i wouldn't expect to see but yet it just works i agree i mean it was one of those things where i was very hesitant to kind of be on board but once the film actually takes hold you're really taken on a ride and you really feel, and it's a thriller. It's actually a full-blown thriller. I mean, you do not know what's going to happen and that edge of the seat experience, it's fantastic. And it's playing in the official competition, isn't it? Yes, it's one of the first official competition films that I saw, I've seen, I saw. And the animatronics of the monster is pretty arousing, just to say. Well, I think I have to see it. Yes, and uh, moving track completely, I think, Glenn, you love Sydney as much as anyone I know, and I think there's a film about Sydney that you love. Yes, there is. Uh, it was the Sydney Film Festival. It's a film about Sydney, and it is Ellipsis, David Wedham's feature directorial debut. It is filmed in and around East Sydney. It actually starts at Town Hall, where the festival is based, and goes to East Sydney, Oxford Street, Bondi, King's Cross, and oh, you will, if you're a you know, Sydney local like myself, you recognize a lot of the locations. It's a lovely letter to the city. It's very Richard Linklater, the Before Before Sunrise trilogy, but fans of Sofia Coppola and Lost in Translation uh, will also recognize a few allusions to that film. But it is quite something to see those sorts of elements and that sort of story set in Sydney and writ large on the big screen, something we can, a Sydney Sydney film festival crowd, can so well relate to. I agree. And what's more fantastic and, you know, amazing about this is that it was made in about 11 days. To see an actual film being made in that kind of experimental form in just 11 days and see it turn out 
for the most part, pretty well. It's yeah, quite surreal. It was fun because they can see to the characters. They did everything in a very short period, and it's quite well acted. Uh, there's a lot of hopping around, and uh, but there's there's many good Australian films, really good international films happening all throughout the next six, last six days and next six days. Addy, has there been something else which uh, you've enjoyed us over the past little while? Well, as I said before, I really liked watching The Untamed, but I'm also doing photography at many of the media pre- um, film premieres, and. I really enjoyed that side of the festival as well, along with not just photography, but hanging out at the Hub. I've just enjoyed the whole festival experience. Tell us more about the Hub. It's, it's been pretty fun there. The Hub's a lively place. It's kind of like a lucky draw of arriving there. You know, you've got your $10 discount tickets. You've got your, your parties, your talks. You've also got, you know, unexpected kind of guests or the ability to mingle with um, filmmakers, um, even... Um, the people who are premiering the films and you know seeing them and being able to approach them it's a very very lively and enjoyable place to be and what's been a highlight of the red carpet and taking photographs of all the celebrities and people who rock up to the premieres well I tend to do opening and closing night which is packed and busy as but one of the unexpected highlights that I've had this year is um, taking photos on the red carpet premiere of Una, um, just seeing um, Mendo, Ben Mendelsohn, um, taking photos with a fan and, yeah, just giving the time to, you know, um, give every photographer that was there the time to pose for photos. And it just seems like the coolest and most chill guy I've ever met. It, it's fantastic because on screen he plays his menacing characters and he's someone you'd be really scared of. But in real life, he's quite a nice guy. I would love to hang out with him. Yeah, apparently during the talk at the Harpy onset a FaceTime call from his dad. Yeah, it's, just, it's amazing. But you also saw the film Una, is that right? Yeah, the the film Una hasn't didn't really win me over, unfortunately. But I do agree that the his performance, along with Rooney Mara's performance, was very tense. It was really dramatic, but whether or not the film actually adapted correctly from a, th- a play, which is a Blackbird, yes, Blackbird, um, didn't really seem to really translate to an on-screen visual. Just there was something there, but maybe it requires a rewatch. It's a very emotional story. It's obviously about a man who abused a young girl in her adolescence and then she finds him 15 years later when she is in her late 20s and he is an adult and living under another name. And Virat, you saw this film as well. I did. Uh, I really enjoyed the actual performances and I think there's something quite nuanced and ambiguous about even though the narrative is very sexually charged and you think there are easy answers, but there are not. And that's what I really liked about it. I think this film goes places in terms of asking questions which do not present simplistic answers. Well, I found the performances very good, but I was a little frustrated at how they had to chop and change up the scenes. I mean, I understand in the play, it's pretty straightforward. It's an involving dialogue with the two of them, mostly. But here, they had to, you know, for the purposes of drama, just jump between different places. Suddenly, they're discussing one thing here, sleeping in another room, and it really broke up what was otherwise a very jarring and impactful film. I agree. And uh, just changing tack, I wanted to just give some shout-outs to some political dockers that have been playing, because we've been talking about the feature films, and that's fine. But the dockers have the one that really won me over. I've talked a lot about I'm Not Your Negress. I'm not going to talk about that again. But the two I want to point out right now are Abacus and uh, Pac-Man. I think these two really stood out for me. Political dockers, pol- pol- politics has been right in centre of Sydney Film Festival, and especially the time we're living in at the moment, especially Abacus. It's about the 2008 
GFC, the only bank to be indicted in the US, has been Abacus Federal Reserve Bank. And this was a film, a docker that I went to see it's Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. at the State Theatre. So I was, really, I was really committed and I was surprised. It's a really funny film. It made you cry, it made you laugh. But most of all, it makes you see the injustice of the American supposedly justice system which is very ironic. Well, I haven't seen Abacus yet, but what I find remarkable about it is the m- number of my friends who, you know, art film people necessarily, you know, go to the festival every year are seeking out this film and are really keen to see it. It seems, seems to have quite a relevance to just broadly in society. I think the thing is, uh, politically, we find ourselves at a place where all, all of us, you know, find frustrations as to the certain rules that apply to the 1% of the wealthy people and the other rules which apply to the rest of us. And this film really speaks to that. I think those frustrations which are most important that, you know, we want society to be fair and just, and yet it's not. And uh, Pac-Man as well. This is a film uh, where they follow Supac, which was supporting the campaign of uh, Dr. Ben Carson in the United States. Um, I found it quite interesting. It does go into quite some detail, a little drier than what people will be used to in House of Cards, though it does cover some not dissimilar content. But I don't know. I the thing that this documentary was it was made and filmed during the campaign, and it, I think it may possibly have presumed that there would be a very different ending, not only to the primary season, but to the general election itself and how that all turned out. Yes, but at the same time, it's interesting to see how people in real time during the campaign felt it would go and as to how it actually went. So I think having that benefit of hindsight really enhances the experience of the watching Pac-Man. And it's really fascinating how many, how much of strategy and planning goes into these campaigns, which I have never realized and I appreciate now. Now, uh, it's changed tech ever so slightly. Um, Addy, I understand that you saw The Other Side of Hope. Um, I saw The Other Side of Hope and it's it's one of those strange films where it looks pretty dull, like the set design, the way that it's the characters give a quite a deadpan performance, but yet it really speaks on a lot of um, relevant current issues, um, refugee crisis, um, the way that we treat others, prejudice and stereotype and kind of cultural appropriation. And it's one of those films where at first you think it's a pretty funny film and it's pretty it's got that kind of bleak humor but at the same time it there are quite interesting issues that are that arise from the film itself had a bit of a Wes Anderson quality at times. There's it's, there's a few different stories. There's a man who uh, decides to open a new restaurant who's a gambler, and that's a very interesting subplot in and of itself. Um, there's the young man who is a refugee who arrives in Finland and is seeking asylum, and uh, a number of things happen to him. And I understand, Virat, that you met the actor behind the main role in this film. Yes, I did. I interviewed Sherwin Haji, who plays the refugee seeking asylum in Finland, and he plays it pretty straight-faced in a film which is actually quite absurd. And I found that fascinating because his role was quite challenging. He's the one playing it in a very understated manner and really trying to bring out the emotional undercurrent of the refugee crisis in Europe, which is unfolding. And yet the film itself, the other characters, played quite in an absurd way. So I was really interested to find out from Sherwin. And when I met him in person, he's someone who's very cheeky. He's a naughty person. He likes to crack jokes. And I was fascinated to see... You know, these are two different people. He's playing someone very opposite his type. He's very expressive in person. He likes to have fun. You know, he has great ideas and thoughts. And yet, in the film, he's this subdued personality who just really has to internalize a lot of emotions. To see that unfold and meet him in person was a fantastic experience.
he was one of the best parts of the film, in my view. I mean, he had such, it was such a diverse performance. Did you like? How did you find the performances in in the film, Addy? I reckon that I love the performances because it really kind of made the the bleakness and the deadpan humor really enhance the the issues that were kind of brought out by the director. Yeah, it was it was just it was absolutely fascinating. There was the restaurant scenes where they keep. Uh, I, I don't want to reveal it, but there's a there's a lot of good slapstick esque humor in it. And yes, uh, and it's it's fascinating in the sense because uh, we the Finnish perspective about the refugee crisis is not something we see from Slavic and Nordic countries. We do not have that perspective on screen yet. What do these countries think about the refugee crisis across the world? We have got that from a lot from the Middle East. We've got that from you know, the usual suspects. But the Nordic countries, and from their take on what they feel about the refugee crisis in the world, is a quite a unique take, and a lot of funny take, which people would not expect. Now, Eddie, we know you have to go in a couple of minutes, but before you do, can you tell us what you are looking forward to coming up in the next six days of the festival? Well... Um, yesterday I quite enjoyed Axolotl Overkill, but tomorrow I'm seeing A Ghost Story, which is a low-budget micro, like a horror film with Rooney Mara. So I'm pretty excited to see how that's going to be executed. I really don't know anything about it. They kind of just filmed it and then just released it, and now there's one of the first festivals to play the film. Oh, really? So... It's exciting. And tell us quickly about Axolotl Overkill. Uh, I know that was had the first screening in Australia last night. Yeah, um, the film has a really amazing bunch of dance sequences and it's shot really well. But one of the highlights that I found in the film is there's suddenly there's um, some animals in the scene. Some like there's a penguin, there's a there's a horse or a unicorn. So just like those unexpected surprises that a lot of these films have given. Fantastic. That this was one, uh, and it's playing a few times, one of the German films in the festival. It's based on a novel too. And we have to take a quick break, and we'll be back talking more about the Sydney Film Festival. Stay tuned. UTS is number one again. Ranked as Australia's number one young university for the third year in a row because we harness the best of youth, the curiosity, contagious energy, and belief in a better world. Join us for a course info evening. For options, dates and other details, go online and search for UTS Course Info Night. UTS, sponsors of 2SER 107.3. Sydney Film Festival is on right now and must finish on Sunday, June 18. Hurry to sff.org.au to choose from hundreds of films on offer at 12 venues across the city, from the beautiful State Theatre to the Ritz Cinema in Randwick. Dramas, documentaries, comedy, horror, music, you name it, you'll be spoilt for choice. Book online or call 1300 733 733. Sydney Film Festival, sponsors of 2SER. World-renowned scientist, humanitarian, conservationist and UN messenger of peace, Dr Jane Goodall returns to Australia with her message of hope for the future. Think Inc. and the Jane Goodall Institute Australia invite you to enjoy a rare opportunity to witness her on stage on June 23 at the Horton Pavilion. Info and tickets at thinkinc.org.au. Sponsors of 2SER 107.3. And we are back on Film Fight Club in the deep, dark recesses of the State Theatre awaiting the world premiere of Madame. 
it's such a surreal experience because I can actually hear the film currently playing right now in the background and it gives me chills to be here. It's a New Zealand film, uh, A Thousand Rope, and it's how the, the music just sounds incredible. I know. I, I wish all of you were here with me right now and we could just, you know, cry together because it's a beautiful experience. It's so surreal, very Enyar-esque. Now, we've seen so many great films at the festival having an absolute ball. We're at the halfway mark and one we saw that I really liked a lot was The King of the Belgians, which is a darkly, dark, a bit of a, too dark, but a satire of sorts, a road trip movie. Virat, did you, and, it was, and essentially it's about a king who is in Turkey and he has a small coup of sorts in his home country and he has to go back, but he can't because of a cosmic disturbance, he can't fly, so he has to trek overland through the Balkans to get back to Brussels. Virat, did you enjoy this film? I, I absolutely loved this film. I mean, it's such a clever, snappy take on the road movie genre, you know, and also all the comedic films in the festival have been the ones that have really struck a chord because they're not just comedy, they're making a smart political statement through their films, but they're doing it in a fun way. And I, what I really enjoyed about this, this is a mockumentary, a uh, filmmaker follows them around, and I've seen quite a few mockumentaries, and it always gets me that the person who's behind the camera, who's such a part of it, isn't involved, it gets like a bit of lip service, there's one bit where you kind of see them, but this time the cameraman was actually a really big part of the narrative, it was actually a subplot where he's had been to Serbia before and returns and meets some of the locals, and that really figures in the King's journey and the emotional transformation that, that he goes through himself. Yeah, because I think the mockumentary genre has been done to death ever since The Office. I think it's really taken the world by storm. So there's only as much you can do with that genre. But I really liked how they played with the form. So it's not just about, hey, we're doing it as a gimmick. But they really did play with the form pretty well. And I was very surprised by how they approached the whole topic. And there's a great scene where they're just running through the streets trying to escape from it. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's how else do you do that? Especially, you know, there's so much you can play with the landscape, and that's what I really enjoyed with the film. The actual landscape is such an important part of the setting in the movie, and it really is a character where they really get stuck in places, and they have to really, you know, find themselves in novel situations to get out of them. Now, moving again, changing tack quite a little, uh, there are a number, a lot of people have seen Taken. A lot of people will have seen films of this sort more generally, uh, but what not many people may have seen is Mrs. K uh, by director Ho Yu-hung, who is in town for the festival, and you can see an interview with him on the Cellular Dreams page on 2SCR. It is a new film starring Kara Hui, a prolific and much revered actress from China, and she is and she's, she's great in the film, and there's a lot of quite good action sequences, and uh, how did you find Mrs. K, Virat? I was I was mixed about it because I really didn't know what to expect going in. But at the same time, I really enjoyed Cara's performance. It is, I mean, I salute her. She's in her mid-50s, and yet she does some of those slick action sequences like I've not seen, I've seen people struggle with those in their early 20s. And she does them with panache. And yet, I mean, just to, to be able to do that and not want a body double, it's fascinating. And I really respect the, you know, her actual commitment to the art. Absolutely, and she is someone who has you know, been around, done a lot of different films. Is quite a well-known personality uh, where she comes from. And but this film, you know, we've seen a lot of ones where you know uh, Dan has to go and out rescue his family from someone or something from his past comes back to haunt them. But uh, this is very much different. She was the one at the center of attention here, and it led to a very different dynamic from a lot of the other films that we've seen coming out of Hollywood lately. Oh, yes. I mean, this has a very sort of family-oriented feel. It's not about some random person that 
comes back from the past who is not connected i think this is a very connected interdimensional family drama and it's all about it was a lot more ambiguous than most uh, of genre films of this kind and i was somewhat uneasy there is this beautiful scene when she's hallucinating and talking to dead people three dead characters one of them is fruit chan and people of the hong kong 80s would remember him and it's it's a fascinating sequence and he's smoking and the smoke is coming out of his of his neck uh, it's a hilarious scene i think one of the best scenes in the film and so there's a lot of playing with form that happens here which i wasn't expecting um, and speaking of which, uh, this is this is the most amazing segue. I saw a film last night called Better Watch Out. Now, and there is a scene not dissimilar to what you just described, where there is smoke coming out of, uh, well, yep, in that sort of area. And it is, I don't know if you haven't had a chance to see it yet, but this is, this was actually filmed around the corner from where I grew up, my childhood home. So le- knowing that, having seen this horror film, it was, it was, it was quite something. It, it's one of those films where you can't really talk about or reveal too much uh, about the plot. It has Levi Miller and a number of Australian actors reunites to performers, to young performers from The Visit. And this is one that is absolutely worth catching. I don't want to tell you any more about it, but this is a film that I think will do very well out of the festival circuit and going forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm unfortunately, I missed it, and I instead went for Most Beautiful Island, which is also a fascinating thriller, edge of the seat kind of thing, and especially about the situation of women. The allegory draws about how uh, women find uneasy situations, and basically it's about a woman who finds herself at a party, but it's not really... The, part, the kind of party where she thinks normal things are happening. It's a, quite a uncomfortable film to watch, especially if you are aware of uh, the kind of things women have to deal with on a daily basis. And I think that political statement is very powerful in the film. I really was uncomfortable watching it, but I think that's the point. Now, a film I'm very excited to see, I'm seeing it on the last day of the festival, is one that uh, Verita sold to me, Newton. And I'm very pumped for it. Can you tell everyone a little bit about Newton and why everyone should go see it? Yes, and Newton is a film directed by Amit Masurkar. He made a slacker comedy. Now, slacker comedy is an Indian cinema. This is an Indian film. Indian cinema hasn't done slacker comedy at all. This is a very new genre for Indian cinema, and Amit Masurkar one of the first people who made a slacker comedy, and that was called uh, uh, Suleimani Kira, and this is his second film called Newton. And this is basically a take on Indian democracy. I think people don't realize how incredibly messed up Indian democratic system is. It is the largest democracy in the world, but it is far from perfect. And I think I'm really amazed at how different directors are approaching the subject and trying to get a political message, because India is also a country with high censorship. So they can't talk about certain things in the way they would like to. So I'm glad that filmmakers are trying to find novel ways, much like Iranian filmmakers are doing with their country, which also has high censorship, and talking about real issues, but in a funny way. This is a satire on Indian democracy, and it is a must-watch. Another one I think is definitely worth seeing is It's Not Yet Dark, which just had its first screening will be screening again. It is a documentary about Irish filmmaker Simon Fitzmaurice, who came down with motor neuron disease. And um, in spite of that, he is a filmmaker and he went on to make another film starring Evander Lynch from Harry Potter called My Name is Emily, which is also screening at the Sydney Film Festival. It screens first on Thursday night. And I think it's just, and he had to use his eyes to write the script and direct parts of the film. I just think it's so remarkable how, uh, particularly, it's, uh, my name is Emily's paying part of the screenability program and it's just amazing how we're seeing uh, so much more interest in these stories not just in film but also uh, depicted in documentary cinema too yes uh, I'm just amazed also at the same time Sofia Coppola the second only female director winner 
at Cannes, and her film, The Big Isle, is going to be screening here. Nicole Kidman, Australia represents, mm-hmm. is going to be there. Uh, and uh, Kirsten Dunst is also in part of the film. So it's a fantastic story. And I really like her adaptations, actually, because so, Clint Eastwood made The Big Isle as well earlier on. So I want to see how Sophie Coppola tackles the same subject matter. I didn't know Nicole Kidman was going to be there. Oh, well, I mean, she's going to be there in the film, Glenn. Oh, right, in the film, yes. Yeah, so like, oh, well, that, that would be really something. But, yes, very excited about that. And Wind River is also premiering on Wednesday night. It's one of the winners out of Cannes. It has Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen, who's also in Ingrid Goes West, which is also absolutely worth seeing. And this is from the a director-writer of two fantastic films, Cesario, and what I think probably should have won Best Picture last year, Hello High Water, and I'm pretty pumped to catch that one. I mean, yes, uh, Hello, High Water was fantastic because that's the first film where I noticed Chris Pine as an actor, you know, much before Wonder Woman happened. So, oh, so great movie. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, but at the same time, I'm surprised to think that this, might, this film might do for Jeremy Renner what Hello, High Water did for Chris Pine. It might actually, people might respect him as an actor, finally. You know, it's about time. He's made some great films going back. He was in The Hurt Lock and whatnot, but he's really carved out a space for himself in the big action genre, you know, playing Hawkeye. So, yeah, maybe he, he, this is, his time has properly come. And we know some mayhem, which is a bit of an office drama meets slasher meets saw part of the freak me out section. I'm, I'm seeing that on, it's on Thursday, and I know there's quite a fun crowd going to that one. I, I mean, the entire freak me out section section, not section, oh, wow, that's a tongue twister right there. The entire Freak Me Out section has been fantastic and really some of the films, are, because I can't deal with gore, I can't deal with horror, I find it very squirmy and squeezy, but some of the films are really fun, fantastic, for example, Game of Death, I really enjoyed it. It's a really stupid premise, but it was really enjoyable. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching Mayhem as well. Game of Death is great because these are the, A, the worst people you want to be stuck with in a horror film, but in every horror film we're kind of annoyed, why wouldn't you just do this? Why wouldn't you do this thing that makes sense? But you will believe these people would do the worst possible things in these scenarios, and that makes for a pretty fun watch. And there was also some weird um, arcade game stylistic flourishes that they just put randomly into the movie. It was, yeah. I mean, the first five minutes of the film, I was very annoyed because I'm like, this is the sort of film that I should not be watching. But after that, I was so much on board with anything that was happening that I was like, okay, bring it on. And um, we also have a few extra films that are screening additionally after the festival because of very high demand, including Good Time, which has been uh, slated as Rob Patterson's best performance. Uh, And it is one of the ones that has come straight here as one of the latest Khan additions to the festival. I mean, you would love it, Glenn, because you're a Twilight fan. So for you, that battle... Team Edward. Yes, that battle between who's the better indie actor, Kristen Stewart or Robert Pattinson, that is the fight that we need to have. Because Kristen Stewart, she had her indie grad with Personal Shopper, but now it's our Pat's turn with Good Time. Uh, she's had a lot of great films, uh, excuse me, sir. And But no, uh, it, it is our Pat's, and that will be a fight that we'll be ha- having next week. <laughs> uh, just, just to flag this, I will be on the ground. I will be at day. Newtown next week, Wednesday night, with a lot of RPAT fans who will be there to watch Good Time. I'll be with them on Ground Zero, pretty much. A lot of Cedric Diggory fans, too, I imagine. Uh, well, I might be one of them. I, I might be, too. And also the Ornithologist, which has an extra screening following the festival, too. Yes, I mean, the, f- the point of that is 
I it really flew under the radar and I didn't realize it was a film that I should be watching but everyone who's seen it has really said this is something you should watch and it always happens because you're bound to miss out one or two films and even though we're film nerds even we miss out sometimes so I really want to catch it because I don't want to feel like I've missed out on a good film because heck this is the only time we get to watch these things is there's some wonderful ones playing at the festival Ingrid Goes West if you have a chance it might get a release too but Aubrey Plaza in a role that is particularly suited to her and the perils and travails of, of social media and Instagram the only film that I would not recommend you see is Happy End because that's a very ironic title and it's not a happy film at all oh that was quite oh that was brutal it was kind of a the thematic uh, follow on to his last film Amore too yes but I mean some people like Michael Haneke so I can't judge them but I'm going to judge them anyway so we will be joining you uh, for the festival in the next six days. Please go on to the 2ACR Cellular Dreams page to see reviews and interviews and enjoy the festival. Have a wonderful time and enjoy movies. Good night. Good night. Good night.